When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah! We go to Life Member Zay, Life Member of Afternoons. G'day, buddy. Good afternoon. Well, with Robinson, the All Blacks never picked him, so good on. Go get the cash. Go, go cash in, you know. Go off to Japan. That's a great thing to do. Um, he deserves it. He's a great player, workhorse. And, yeah, go cash in while you're still young and fit and go and get paid, you know? Go get paid. Mm. Um, and if we want, the, I think um, we might have to consider letting these guys play for the All Blacks if they're from overseas, if they're going overseas. You know, that that's, might, might have to come to that. That's what it might have to do. I'm pretty sure it will come to that. I think in a decade's yeah. time that'll be happening. It, it's just a matter of time. And 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 do we do we add these? Do we let these guys play in Super Rugby and add some Japanese teams into it again? Do we do we do that? Look, Is it time for that as well? Yeah, look, there's a number of things that could be done and could be researched, but they've got to get onto it quickly. Like, everyone says that the heart and soul of New Zealand rugby is the NPC. And can you imagine, Zade, your Auckland team running out with their All Blacks, taking on the Waikato team with their All Blacks, or Wellington or Otago with all of their All Blacks, and chuck in three or four Aussie teams, bring in a Japanese team, but do something original. Yeah, but it's having the money to pay for the players, though. That's because right. The Super Rugby team, yeah, you need money. So the thing is, wouldn't you have got Auckland and Canterbury and Manawatu in that? They don't have the money, as same amount of money as Super Rugby teams is. So you'd have to get private entities to back the NPC teams first to sort that out. Um, and quickly, another thing. Um, can you ask your football correspondent about Wrexham, about um, uh, Ben Foster? So Ben Foster's been playing English Premier League and he's just joined came out of retirement, actually just signed for Wrexham, and he used to play for Watford, he's played for Manchester United, so um, he's actually big on YouTube, like, probably one of the biggest footballers that actually does, like, live footage of games and stuff, like, he actually, like, goes to um, the games, and then he actually, like, vlogs, like, through his GoPro and stuff, so I was just, like, wondering, like, what he thinks about Ben Foster playing for Wrexham, and, like, he's playing with non-league guys, and he's been in the Premier League, so it'll be interesting to... Um, talk to your correspondent about that. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what he says about Wrexham, actually. It'll be uh, be an interesting chat. All right, Zadie, good on you, buddy. Good to hear from you. Thank you. See you, mate. Um, Go down to Christchurch, talk to Mikey. G'day, Mikey. Hey, mate. Hey, look, just stop it, please. You're making me nervous with this chat. I'd rather (laughs) stick my head in the sand, please, and just enjoy my rugby. (laughs) It's freaking me out when you talk about things like this, mate. (laughs) Is there a bit of... It must have landed a little bit on you, though. Like, it's speculation, but um, I just feel like we're watching some rust. Yes. Uh, Look, rugby's very different in the sense that... So, okay, all the leagueies get their best team out every single week. Yes, they do, absolutely. But what leagueies don't have is an international calendar. And I think this is a point of difference between rugby and league. 
where it's A, a good thing, and also B, a bad thing in terms of the fans being able to watch their um, players. This is rugby I'm talking about. Week in, week out, come out and, and front for their um, their franchise or their team. So that's a different thing entirely, and I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think personally the coaches of the franchise um, should just um, coach their sides. They'll know when their players are bugging and need a rest. Um, and I think the more rugby you play, the better you will be at the game rather than the sort of, oh, six weeks and have a rest. That makes no sense to me. The other thing is that the AFL clubs and the league teams, and also you look at the NFL over in uh, America, they really have a sense of club, um, and they go all out to make sure that it's the fans' game, not the club uh, or the owners who are seeming... I mean, they're in charge, but the fans seem to have a massive say or at least they get a lot for their dollar. Um, so money's a big issue, isn't it? And I think um, what Zane was just saying before, private equity, I think, is going to have to be the way forward. Mm. I think they're going to have to have a stake if you want this game to change and grow and really get there, have a bit more than just having a, a cheap pie and the game with a couple of players and, and you go home. I think um, private equity may well be the way forward. Um, what percentage that would be, I don't know. Um, but you're quite right. It is stale. It is a bit rusty. And uh, we do need to make a change. But the big issue right here is, and I've said it a million times, is the NZRFU are the big stopping point on this one. Um, and they seem to be stuck in their ways, which we all know. Uh, you made an interesting comment that you don't have much rugby on your show. I just wonder if that's because you can hardly get any of the rugby heads on your show because they just don't want to talk to the fans or the media. That is it, and when we do get them, there's not a lot said either. It's uh, I just don't find it interesting radio, to be perfectly honest. Um, there, there are the odd exceptions. I'm not saying it's a blanket thing, but the amount of effort it takes to get someone from rugby on the show, um, balanced up with what you get, um, I think our resources better place somewhere else. It's such a shame, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot, man. And uh, anywho... So, yeah, I, don't, I've, I have given you no answers, and I'm slightly <laughs> freaking out, but go the Satyrs. Go the Crusaders. That's all I care about right now. <laughs> have, a, have a good show, and hopefully someone comes up with a good idea. That'd be good. Yeah, okay, mate. All right, buddy. Thanks, Mikey. Um, I'll tell you what, this is a guy with some good ideas. Zane from Paraparaumu. G'day, Zane. G'day, mate. Hey, um, I've got to put it out there, mate. I'm a diehard rugby fan from way back. I never played league. I played rugby my whole life. Um, but I have lost my passion for the game other than ABs for the past few years. But I think the most important thing you need to consider here is taking a step back. The game's dying as far as participation numbers in New Zealand. I think you see the stats that maybe it was a year or so back. It's about 20 or 30% drop, and um, this is male numbers, not, mm-hmm. not um, female numbers, over the past 10 years. So it's not a sustainable game long-term, right? We're not going to have the same depth in players. Um, you've got viewing numbers and sort of crowd numbers dying down. The rules are getting more and more convoluted every week. So it's a real challenge. Um, And if I'm a player sitting there thinking, do I pay 20, 30 games a year and all the the, the crap that goes with it, or I go to Japan and play 16 rounds and get played, you know, two or three times as much, why wouldn't you go? Mm. But there's a limit on that. Um, they have really stringent caps on the number of foreign players you can play for each team. So you, you, it's not going to you know, continue to grow and grow and grow. They'll just be a little bit more picky. And one thing um, you'll find is there are a lot more Kiwis coaching there now yes. in Japan. So they have more awareness of the players who are below the top 
top ranks. So it's not so much now about having the uh, the status of the All Blacks. It's just about having you know quality guys who will deliver on the field. Um, and as far as my answer goes to the questions, you're going to have to pick players from overseas. As much as you've got your pride and you don't want to do it, it's the only sustainable way to keep the ABs, um, you know, competitive long term. I can't see any other way around it. Yeah, we can't afford to keep our good players, and it's like when we lose someone like Richie Moonga. Um, the the good thing about him going, and I'm not talking about rugby, and I don't want him to go, is it frees up, I don't know, seven or eight hundred grand, which will pay for four or five up and comers. But the problem is when these up and comers become the age of 21, 22, it's getting more and more attractive to go offshore. So I, I can just see, I was going to say a slow evolution of depth being eroded, but it might be quick. You know, it might be quick. It's, it's already been happening, mate. It's been going on for years. We just haven't really paid attention to it because we've had this blind faith of this, you know, the, the super rugby level players, you know, the, that they would stay. But if you go back, you know, two or three or probably two World Cup cycles and count the number of fringe players who've started to go, it's been going on since, you know, about 2015. Just look at the amount of players up there. I coach a, um, an ex uh, super rugby player, former sevens player who's up in France and the number of guys up there playing with him, it's ridiculous. Mm. Um, so it's not new, it's just been, I think, awareness at the moment because we're starting to freak out. When you see the top line go, guys go, we've always said next man up, but it's not happening. It's not happening next couple of years. You know, good luck to raise him, mate. Yeah. Well, get the chance, mate. You're right. When one goes, it's next man up and the next man up are people like Tom Robinson and he's not there either. Yeah, mate, no answers, but more questions. Yeah. Go to Warriors. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Zane from Parapara Umu there. Uh, join in the conversation, remembering that the Rural Roundup is in the, I think we've got Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch listening to us now, the rest of the country on the wonderful Rural Roundup, the hardest word to say, with Andy Thompson. Um, the rest of the country will rejoin us at 1 o'clock, which is when we have Dave Moffat, the former Chief Executive of New Zealand Rugby. Um Let's take a break. I'll give you a chance to ring. 0800 150 811. What's your observations? What's your crystal ball saying? What are your fears? What are your resolutions? Really keen to hear your thoughts. We've got wonderful listeners out there. Get on the phone. Give us a yell. 0800 150 811. We'll join you after the break. Hour at a time. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Um, I, I just went back into the archives Um and given that um, Steve Hansen has chased and, and got Tom Robinson, um, this was his reaction when Brad Shields left. This is when he was All Blacks coach. Brad Shields probably would have made the team. The thing about the All Blacks, you've got to stay resilient because you're always up against someone else as good, if not better. If you're prepared to wait for the opportunity and keep at it, you're not going to get it. His reaction to Charles Piatau leaving. I'm extremely disappointed he's going. We've put a lot of time and effort into him, so we're disappointed he's decided to go down that route. On Stephen Luatua leaving. It's always disappointing when you lose a good player, regardless of who he is. In this case, it's doubly disappointing because of the lack of communication, Hanson said. It wasn't as if we were going uh, able to engage in the process. And he carried on with some agents, once they get an offer, they'll come to the table and negotiate. Others don't. Stephen's crew didn't want to talk because they are fearful we are going to change these guys' minds, which is disappointing. 
He spoke briefly to the contracts team and he's been tapped on the shoulder by Pat Lamb, which is disappointing too. If you're an ex-New Zealander, you should be a bit mindful about players' careers. Oh, careful, Steve. (laughs) So I'm all about doing your job to the best of your ability, which Steve Hansen did as All Black coach, and now he's doing that in Japan. But people have memories. And when an ex-New Zealand coach goes offshore like Pat Lamb and gets New Zealand players, it irks the All Black coach as it did irk Steve. Now Steve is irking other coaches back in New Zealand. Man. Um, Well, that's actually an interesting point because this conversation that we've been having for the first half hour has been about... um, you know, us losing some of our players, some of our up-and-coming players, some of our best players, and how that's going to impact the rugby, etc. But I'm actually interested to hear if people, how people view Steve Hansen's legacy in all of this. Now, I know Watto goes pretty hard on the sort of Steve Hansen era of New Zealand rugby. Steve Chu was involved as well. And that is where we, I guess, flipped the switch and we started seeing rest and rotation and we started seeing, um, you know, Super Rugby diluted and and might attend uh, NPC diluted in order to fulfil the All Blacks and go after this four-year um, campaign. It sort of was going with him. And now when you look at Ian Foster and a lot of people think that's the hangover from the Steve Hansen era, Hansen backed Foster 100%. Um, and he was... You know, this is the guy for the job. This is who you've got to get. And, and I've heard, Steph, and I think you've heard as well, that a big reason why Foster got the job was because of Steve Hansen, because he said, it's got to be this guy. This is the guy you've got to get. So, you know, his fingerprints are all over the sort of New Zealand rugby landscape and where that now sits. And now he's flipped over. And as you've said, he's turned into that person that he always used to get annoyed about that pulls people out of New Zealand rugby and out of the system and is now in Japan pulling players away. So I'm very interested to see how people view Steve Hansen's legacy, not only you know as, as the All Blacks coach, but actually on New Zealand rugby over the last 10 years. Mm. Has Steve Hansen had a big impact on where we now sit New Zealand rugby? And I think he does. I think he's got a massive hand and he will continue to play a big hand because he plays a big role in that club up in Japan. Toshiba, is it? You with Toshiba? Is it with Toshiba? Oh, I can't remember. I say Toshiba. Um, you know, he's playing a big hand up there. And like you said, he's got a job to do. So mm. his club's saying to him, we've got you on as this, you know, advisor, whatever you're playing, whatever role you're playing. We need you, this club needs to win. You need to help us win. You need to go out and get, get the best players. So he's doing his job. I get that. But from a pure New Zealand rugby point of view, what sort of influence and legacy is he leaving Is he leaving the game? Because, Steph, I think in, I mean, next year is going to be very interesting. Given it's going to be very hard, very very tough. But then, yeah, let, let's let's go a bit further. Let's go four years down the track. You know, when this problem just keeps getting exacerbated and exacerbated, and we're not maybe at the top of the world anymore, and and you know the game is already suffering as it is. I mean, there's almost got to be a revolution. You know what I mean? There does. Um, we need to do what England cricket did with Brendan McCullum and do something mm, radical. Yeah, they need to do so. Like everyone's saying, NPC, give it a go. Give it a go for two years, and if it doesn't work, try something else. Fast fail things. Nothing much changes. When when the announcer and Mark Reason in his column said he started it with, uh, let me find it. Um, gosh, where is it? Where is it? You had to laugh when Chris Lendrum's New Zealand Rugby's general manager of professional rugby and performance said, there is a real feeling that Super Rugby Pacific is ready to take off after a successful but COVID-disrupted inaugural season to have a fully integrated and uninterrupted uninterrupted draw in 2023 is great news. Take off 
It's not even made the runway yet, and we're five weeks in. The average margin of victory for the five New Zealand teams at the weekend was 26. All of them were a long way short of full strength as well. It was boring. Mm. Attendances are plummeting, but you wouldn't know because no one ever gives us the crowd figures. We tried hard to get the crowd figures. We tried very hard, but no one releases <laughs> them because it's embarrassing. Of course it is. It's embarrassing. Yeah, well, they will release them if they say they've got 46,000, right? That'll get released. Mm, yeah. But not if it's not if it's three or four. Oh yeah, they they trump it when they've sold out Eden Park for a test match, and that's great. And I love test matches, and I I love rugby. And I'm my frustration is born out of concern. Mm. I don't want it to skittle and dwindle. And I said to someone this morning, it feels like rust. Yeah, we're watching it slowly but surely rust. And don't take. Um, I've always said this line with with any sports fan: don't ever take criticism as apathy. So. You are critical, like you just said there. You're passionate about it, not because you hate the game no. and you want to see it fail. You're passionate about it because you love the game yes. and because you wanted to see it succeed. So yes. don't take criticism as apathy. People say, oh, you're just rugby uh, rugby haters. So the other thing too, just quickly, Seth, before you get to news, um, and you've mentioned that in the past, Japanese clubs went for big names. They went for Bowden. And, and to an extent, I don't really mind. Bowden Barrett's now, what is he, 31, 32? Three. 33 maybe, right? So he's moving on. Retallick's moving on. And All these guys are older, and I get that. Or even if they've played in the All Blacks for a while, like a Dan Carter or whatever, I'm happy to see them sort of go and play off in Japan. Now we're talking about the depth of the All Blacks. And we've not really had a depth problem in the All Blacks really ever, Staff. I mean, certain positions we'd say, oh, you know, we're, but like Aussie and that would die for the debates we were having. Yes. Oh, should it be Rico? Should it be Anton Leonard-Brown? They're still like the best centres in the world, right? But I feel like we we are going to run into a depth issue if the players that aren't All Blacks are starting to get picked up. So all of a sudden, yeah, Tom Robinson's not an All Black now, but say we get massive injuries to two of our starting locks next year, maybe the third one isn't available, then all of a sudden, four, five, and six, we need them. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think You only have to go back to 2011 when Beaver was the fourth string first five. Yeah. Still very, very capable, very good player. Mm. Um, We lose Barrett and we lose Moonga. We're going to have McKenzie and Perafeta who's three, who's four, and who's potentially five if two of those guys get injured. Correct, yeah. But the depth is going to get sorely tested. And the last thing I'll say, and and it was a line from Watto last night, and he said, um, before Steve Hansen, New Zealand loved rugby. During Steve Hansen, they were forced to love all blacks and not rugby as the whole. And we everyone bought into it, and everything is now suffering. Anyway, give us a yell. 0800 We'll take new sport and weather. We'll come back after that. Couple of minutes. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Uh, some text messages come in. Uh, one from Ken. We've got two Kens have been texting. Ken number one says Hanson's legacy in my mind is about lack of succession planning and that of undercutting the local game causing the situation we're in. Thank you for your text message very much, Ken. Uh, Blues Ken tells us Bodie's 31. I thought he was older than that. Okay. Uh, Staffy, no overseas players in the All Blacks. Keep it that way. Just go look at the under-20 talent coming through. Best I've seen for years, Ken. The issue here is, Ken, and I, and I love your passion for the game. I truly do. These under-20 talents in three years will be 22, um, and they become prospects. It, it almost feels like New Zealand could become a rugby academy for the rest of the world. We've got amazing knowledge, skill base, 
kids from three years old getting all black pyjamas and rugby balls and, and we grow up with it. And I go back to talking to Dan Bowden a couple of weeks ago who's coaching in Japan and he said the big difference between the Japanese player and the New Zealand player is it's indoctrinated. We, we know how to pass a ball, we know how to kick a ball, we've been doing it our whole lives, whereas the Japanese come to it a bit later. But now it's in high schools in Japan, so that's a developing thing. They've put New Zealanders in there, both players, but now it's administrators and coaches. They've, they've done radical things, Japan. They are trying things. They tried the Sunwolves. They brought in Eddie Jones. They've got Jamie Joseph. They brought in Marky All Blacks. Now they're bringing just below All Blacks, South Africans, etc. They're trying things. They want to get better, and they are getting better. We don't seem to be trying anything. We don't. Uh, Steve, good rugby man in Auckland. Staffy, Japan clubs are limited to three capped players per team. Now they're targeting the likes of Tom Robinson as he is uncapped. Bang on. And I think you're only allowed, ooh, is it three on the field at a time, six in your squad, something like that? There are limitations, so they are looking after their product as well, their local product. Staffy, on Tom Robinson, he's had a lot of injuries and concussion issues, and at 29 this year, uh, so the time was probably now or never for him. I don't think he was ever going to be an All Black, so good luck to him. Absolutely not poo-pooing Tom Robinson. Great man, very good rugby player. Probably wouldn't have cracked the All Blacks. I don't think he would have let the black jersey down if he had have got there. I just think in isolation, it's not big news, but it's just... I'm just starting to see it that that next tier are going to be the targets. Um, Richard says, Staffy, for at least two reasons, the rules need to change. Number one, fan experience. It's too hard to follow. Number two, referees. It's too hard to referee, so it is not an appealing option. It's too many grey areas, which leads to abuse from the sidelines. Counties is in dire straits with ref numbers. It would be worthwhile having a discussion around this issue. Bring back the ruck. <laughs> I thought it was going to say bring back buck. Bring back the ruck. It is a very hard uh, game to referee now. There's so many intricacies uh, and the grey areas. I mean, the laws are the laws, but there's still interpretation. Um, a lot of sports have got that, I guess, but wouldn't it be nice if it was just like tennis? If it's in, it's in. If it's out, it's out. But there's so many intricacies to it. Um, fan experience, um, numbers are down. I know people are going, but not many. Um, there's not many. And in a city of, what's Auckland? 1.8 million or something? Something like that? And, I mean, we haven't been able to get the, finger, uh, the fingers. We haven't been able to get the figures from last week. And I know it was the force. And I know they, they were resting players. That's two of the problems. Not an even competition. Resting players, not your A-team playing. I know that attributes to low numbers turning up to the ground. Um, stadium experience isn't great from people. I don't know how many years I've heard about queues, toilets, price of beer, price and quality of food, um, officious security, not letting you take in things. It's not a good experience. There's a whole lot of things that need to be addressed, but the bottom line is that that game in the weekend, there were, depending who you ask, between 8,000 and I think the most generous estimate I heard was 12. We had an unof- we went to two, two official um, 
bodies. One told us 9,000, one told us 10,500 at Eden Park. I'm not going to hang my hat on those. The fact was, there was bugger all people there. Um, and they were up against the Warriors who had the first home game, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. But it's a city of 1.8 million and 10,000 go to watch New Zealand's number one sport in rugby union and Auckland's only super rugby team and 10,000 out of 1.8 million go. Did you, sorry, were you talking about the Green Bay thing just there? No. Nope. Oh, can you bring that up? Because I thought that was fascinating, that part of the article that um, Mark Reason wrote in Stuff, um, talk, com- comparing the American sports, which... Yeah, a lot of people bring up population. Yeah, they they say, oh, well, you can't compare the NFL with Super Rugby when the NFL, the population in America is, is oh, so much is. higher. Here it is. Um, so the NRL manager Graham Annesley uh, from the NRL, seventy eight percent of the games have been decided by twelve points or fewer. Um, their crowds, uh, fifty thousand, went to the Broncos and Dolphins game. Fifty thousand didn't go to Super Rugby in New Zealand across all the games. Um, then NFL in America, they sold 96.5% of all seats at all games. So just about full stadiums every game. Mm. And then he says, now I can hear some of you saying, yeah, but America's population for these teams is way higher than ours. So the Green Bay example, Green Bay has a population of 107,000 people and Milwaukee is 40Ks away, but that's got a population of 569,000. So combine those two, what have you got? 675,000 population, Mm -hmm. which is about the same size as Wellington and Hutt Valley and about a third the size of Auckland. And the average home crowd last year was 76,000 people. Yeah, and it's Green Bay where it's... Where it's freezing. Yeah, it's about (laughs) minus 20 degrees. So, yeah, I've said this for a long time, Steph, that I think Kiwis are pretty sort of fair weather fans. Like, we we would rather sit at home or, or, you know, be with mates at at a pub or whatever than go to a live sport. We just don't seem to want to do that anymore. We used to. And you can can talk about all the reasons why that is. But I just, I think that's a classic, that's a crazy example of how you can't use population and and that sort of thing as as the excuse Mm. when. So many other teams and so many other sports as well get full crowds for. I mean, think about the local clubs in England, local football clubs. You know, their little town might only have a population of a hundred thousand, yet the average attendance at their football game every week is forty or fifty. Mm. I remember when the stadium opened in Wellington, it was sold out every day, every game. Is this uh, the Caketon? Yeah, yeah, it was sold out all the time. It was mm. fantastic, and it's a good stadium, man. It's yeah. a, it's a good stadium. Uh, staff, with the greatest respect, we have heard this about the under twenties for years. And outside of Moonga, none of the players you mentioned are big losses. Webber, TJ, Whitelock, Brody, etc., are all ready to retire anyway. I think Super Rugby is broken and serves no purpose anymore. But I think the issue of players leaving is a bit exaggerated. More players left after the 2011 World Cup than after this. Yes, and then there are players like Ruben Love, like Cam Roygaard, these, these exciting young talents. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I fear. They're the kind of players, because they have all-black cap limitations going to offshore clubs, they'll go shopping for them. Cam Roygaard could play in Scotland for three years and then play for Scotland or Ireland or Wales or Japan, for God's sake. We, we, Ryan Nicholas went and played for Japan. Um, so Warner Derns, he's 20, he's a Kiwi. He's playing for Japan, naturalised Japan. Um, 
I just say it's something we need to be cognizant of. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but it'll be a lot easier to fix before it happens than after it happens. That's all I'm saying. Financial models, financial ownership, alliances with, why can't we have the Kobe Hurricanes? Why can't we have the Toshiba Crusaders and have an alliance there? Money coming in, players going to Japan out of school, play a couple of years of the Japanese league, come back into the crusade. Have those conversations. Something needs to be done, or I fear the slow waning of interest of money coming in. Silver Lake won't last. The money won't last. The funnel needs to be opened. They've put the funnel there, but no one's climbing in the top, so nothing's coming out the bottom. Anyway, we'll have a break, and we've got our first uh, coaching King of the Ring playoff to announce after this break.